Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Jonathan Newfeld, and I'm an associate pastor here at Deer Run Church, and I get to walk alongside our youths and uh, young adults on a weekly basis, and I'm excited to walk with them in this ministry and take a part in their life and just do all these things um, yeah, with them. And so I have this privilege of doing that, um, but today I have the honor of unpacking the topic of thankfulness and, th- and thanksgiving. And today we're going to unpack what it means to have a grateful heart. And since it's Thanksgiving, it just, it fits well together. And as I was preparing for this, I couldn't help but think back to my childhood about a a song. A song that I've heard many times, too many times to count even, on thankfulness. And uh, my mom, she is a volunteer at, at our church in the library. She's been a volunteer as long as I can remember in the church library, which means I have watched many, many, many countless hours of VeggieTales. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but so now, yeah, I have this issue in my life where whenever we hear a theme of of a scripture or a passage or or a story, um, my mind always goes to vegetables instead of people. And I don't know if I need to see a doctor about this. It's just one of those things I have to process now, this ingrained vegetables telling the gospel. But I remember back in 1998, VeggieTales released this new video on being thankful. And it featured a brand new character called Madame Blueberry. Does anyone remember this person? Awesome, thank you. I'm not the only one. So, in this story, we have Madame Blueberry, who is a very sad blueberry. And she's sad because she has so much stuff, but she just wants more. She wants more stuff because her stuff is not as good to those that she compares it to. Until one day, she gets a knock on her door by these three, uh, these three salesmen, and they are um, from a store down the road called Stuff Mart, which is a great name for a store, Stuff Mart. And Madame Blueberry is convinced that if she had stuff, more stuff, better stuff than she already had, then finally she might be happy. As she heads back, out, back and forth to the store, um, she tries to buy more and more. But her happiness doesn't change. But on the way to the store, she sees people people who have less than her, people who have very little, um, even this one little girl who has just a piece of apple pie. And she is just this unsettled with this. How can someone with so little be so happy? How can someone who has nothing really be happy in life? And long story short, she ends up filling up her house to the brim, and her house is a tree house, and so it ends up swaying back and forth in the wind and catapults across the sky, leading to being destroyed, and she is left with nothing. And it was in that moment of having nothing that she realized she had more than she actually needed. And the video ends with a song, and I'm going to save myself the embarrassment of trying to sing it. I'm not, I won't do that for all of you, but the lyrics. I love these lyrics. I've been whistling them in the house. I don't know if Esther noticed me whistling them yesterday, but I couldn't get it out of my head. The lyrics are, We thank God for this day, for the sun in the sky, for the friends that we have, for our yummy apple pie. For the love that he shares and he listens to our prayers, that's why we say thanks every day. Because a thankful heart is a happy heart. We're glad for what we have and that's an easy way to start. For the love that he shares because he listens to our prayers, that's why we say thanks every day. And obviously VeggieTales is designed for children to learn the gospel, but this, this message of being thankful, that's a tough one. And that's a tough one for all of us because we're all at different points in our life. And so do we say thanks every day? That's the question that came out of this. Do we say thanks every day? When we wake up in the morning, do we say thanks? When we walk through the church door on Sunday morning to be together, to worship, to sing praises to God, are we saying thanks? 
when we have food on the table, when we have the celebration later on today, when we can give to others, are we saying thanks? This question isn't a question meant to make us feel guilty, but to help us better understand, are we thankful for what God has given us? Are we content with what we have? And I think it's safe to say that being grateful is an ongoing challenge for all of us at times because our lives are always in transition. Sometimes we're going, um, things are going well, other times we're in a rut. We go through highs and lows. Sometimes we have successes and failures. Other times there's miracles and then there's tragedies. And in the midst of everything going on, is it possible for us to live up to what Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica as he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks in all circumstances. That's hard. That is a hard, hard ask for God to do, just to have us thankful in all these different ways. And by no means do I have a quick solution on how we can do this, but my hope is for us today that we can glean from Scripture to be reminded of how we can cultivate a grateful heart again. If we're struggling to give thanks, this is how we can do it. And so today, I will jump into some, some Scripture, but I want to pray before we, we do that. So let's pray. God, we come before you today, and we give thanks to you. We give thanks for the little things, for the big things, for the apple pies, for, for all these things, Lord. We give thanks because you listen to our prayers. We know that we aren't deserving of this. We know that you owe us nothing, Lord, but you are a good God, and we thank you for that. So Lord, we pray that you would soften our hearts, that you'd open our eyes and ears for what you want us to hear and see. Lord, and I pray that as today we, we hear about Thanksgiving and as we, as we give later, Lord, I pray that we would just open, yeah, open our eyes to the hurt, to the pain, to the love that you give, Lord, and just all these other things, Lord, that we can um, be a part of, Lord. So we thank you for today and this time together. Amen. So for our time today, we're going to look at a few stories in Scripture, starting in the Old Testament, and we're going to start in the book of Daniel. So in, in the book of Daniel, we see Daniel, who is this great king, this great leader under King Darius. And in fact, he turned out to be such a great leader that other leaders actually wanted to, um, to, uh, to dis- other leaders actually despised Daniel because he distinguished himself above all others. He was such a great leader. Daniel did such a good job and was a man of such integrity that the other leaders accused him of offenses, but nothing actually stuck. He was just such a great man. So they plotted against him and they realized the only thing they could do, the only thing that would stop Daniel from being this great leader is if they found something to stop him from praising God because he only prayed to God, the one and only God. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Daniel chapter 6, verse 6, and we see this story unfolds as it says. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, uh, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into a lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue this decree and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the, of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open to Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And that's where we're going to stop in this story. But from this story, there are two different things that I want us to take away, two different points 
out of Daniel's actions that we can cultivate a grateful heart. And the first is this practice that Daniel has of giving thanks. As believers, being thankful rather than disappointed should be our natural state. It should be our our default position in life as we have hope in Christ. We have hope in something bigger than ourselves, bigger than our own abilities and what we can do. Our hope is in Christ. But if we're honest, it's not always easy being positive, especially when things don't go as planned or our expectations aren't met. And in those moments when we don't want to give thanks and we're left with an ungrateful heart, I encourage you to try a practice we see that Daniel does. Praying and giving thanks three times a day. Hear me out. If you want to pray more than three times a day, please do so. I'm not saying only do that. But if you are struggling, if you're not praying, if you, if you are having a hard time giving thanks, try at least three times a day. Give, give thanks three times a day. For an example, you might have seen um, Esther and I, we, we recently went into the housing market a little bit. And if you've ever been discouraged of what you have, I encourage you to look at houses that you wish you could afford. It's such a great time to look at these houses and say, ah, oh, maybe one day. And so you look at these things, and uh, anyways, Esther and I, we ended up putting an offer on a house. It got accepted, another offer came in, and we didn't end up getting it. And, and this isn't an, uh, a random story. You've heard this before. You've experienced this before in your own lives, I'm sure. Um, it's, it's common for things like this to happen in these scenarios. But for this, for this, it was hard for me to swallow. It was hard for me to say, okay, I'm okay with this. Because I actually pictured my life in this house. I pictured what it would look like. I pictured our rooms. I pictured where I would drink my coffee in the morning. I pictured where I would set up my table hockey game. I pictured where we would even set up our Christmas tree. And I don't even like setting up Christmas. I'm like, this is where we'd put our tree. I pictured all these things. And it didn't happen. And in this process of trying to buy a house, we had this timeline which everything had to come together. It all had to work out perfectly if it actually wanted to work. And I remember for us, me and Esther, we prayed the one night saying something along the lines of, Lord, if this is your will for us to get this house, then let it all work out. And if it's not your will, then just let us be thankful with what we have. And that was a tough prayer. Because secretly, and not so secretly, because God knew my heart in this, but secretly, still I think of myself, secretly, I didn't want to stay in our house. I didn't want to stay in our house. I wanted something new. I wanted something different. I wanted something better. And when we look around and we see what others have, what other people have, it's hard for us to be content. It's hard for us to be okay with what we have. But we have to remember to praise God in those moments, to praise God for what we actually have. Pray God in our current situation. And obviously it just so happens that as I'm prepping for a sermon on Thanksgiving and and being thankful that I'm having a hard time actually being thankful, and so I had to take this challenge. Exactly what I was reading in Daniel, okay, how can I give thanks for God or to God for our house? And so in my office, if you want to check it out after, I guess you can, I have sticky notes lined up of every day from the last week, saying, how can I give thanks for our house? And it started out pretty, pretty difficult, to be honest. Like, how can I give thanks? What can I give thanks for? What, is, what am I actually thankful for? And so it starts with, okay, I'm thankful for our AC. I'm thankful for our heat. I'm thankful for our water. But as I started to write, all of a sudden I thought to myself, I'm thankful for our hardwood floors. Like, I really like them. You know, I'm thankful for our magnolia tree in the, bla- in the backyard. I think it looks awesome. And as I, we were talking to our neighbors, I'm like, I'm thankful for our neighbors. We've made some awesome relationships with them. And the more I did this, the more I thought about this, I realized I love our little home. I did this process of writing things down for, for a whole week, and I can honestly say that I appreciated and been more, I've been more thankful for our home. And it's, I've been more thankful in these circumstances. So if you're someone like me who tends to be pessimistic and see the glass half empty, 
I would encourage you to take this approach that Daniel has in giving thanks at least three times a day, just giving thanks for whatever our circumstances is, whether it's um, something we can, I don't know, give thanks for our, 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 our life situation or our jobs, our friends, our family, all these things we can give thanks to God for. And the second thing that I want to look at from Daniel's story, his example, is giving thanks regardless of the circumstances. And so you look at verse 10 again, he says, now when Daniel, and I, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he has done before. Just as he done before. From this verse, we can see that Daniel is known for giving thanks. It's in his character. It's what he does. He's formed a habit. It's something he has done in his past, and it's something he's going to do in the future. And we can see that this idea of giving thanks isn't based on his current circumstances. Daniel knows the situation he's in. He knows what's going to happen to him. He knows his life is not looking pretty right now. He understands that if he gets caught praying, which he does, he'll be tossed into a lion's den. But Daniel gives thanks regardless. Regardless of his circumstances, he gives thanks to God. As it says in Psalms 92, 1-5, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp, for you make me glad, by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. So regardless of what we're going through, whether it's hard times or even in the good times, even in those good times, we need to continually give thanks to God, proclaiming his goodness and singing joys because of what his works have done, what, what he has done in our life. So during Thanksgiving, it's easy to, to be grateful. It's easy on today, this day of the year, to be grateful, to, be gra- to have gratitude in our hearts. But thanks should be on our lips every day. We can never say thank you enough for our, the things in our life, whether it's our jobs, our schooling, our parents, our, our kids, our spouses, our friends, our leaders, and especially to God for his sacrifice. This should be on our lips every single day. Our thankfulness should not be based on the circumstances around us. And this ties in well with my next point. It's something, it, it's, and in times, um, and it's in, in that sometimes in order for us to be thankful, or to have a thankful heart, we need to change the lens that we're actually looking through, to change our perspective. For instance, if you take a look at this photo, Jason can throw it up on the screen. Um, two months ago, uh, we took our daughter Hazel to call Santis for the very first time, and she loved it. She loved seeing everything, the different colors, the birds, the noises that they, they make, all these different animals. And uh, yeah, she just loved it. And I, I think it's obvious that we didn't take her to go look at this piece of glass that's in front of her. That was never the point of it. She was meant to look through this. To me- meant to look through this glass. But if this glass wasn't clean, if it was cov- covered with various fingerprints or, or mud, her view would have been blocked from what she was actually meant to see, which was the alligator down below. This glass is there to look at, but not to look through. All right, so there to, it's, look, <laughs> it's there to... Look, it's not there to look at, but it's there to look through. Hopefully you get what I'm saying. And in order for us to cultivate a grateful heart, it could require us cleaning this glass that we're looking through. By changing our perspective and the way we do this is by putting into practice what Paul teaches in the, to the church of Corinth, as he says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish any arguments and even uh, pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And the best way to take our thoughts captive is by actually using Scripture. 
If you've ever attended church, if you've attended your whole life, or even for a few weeks, it might be obvious that we need to spend time in God's word. This is a given. We need to do this. And just the other day, we were at Young Adults, and we were chatting in a small group there. And even though reading our Bible is a basic principle of our faith, we need to do this. We need to spend time in God's word. It's one of the things that always gets the back burner first. It's one of those things that gets shoved to the side the easiest. And this practice of being intentional with getting our spiritual fill from Scripture, it should be just as normal as us waking up in the morning and filling our cup of coffee. It should be something that's just ingrained in us, something that we do every single day. But we still struggle. We still struggle to spend time in God's Word. And we can know that when we've taken this time, that is a benefit for us because it actually gives us spiritual formation. It, it forms our life. What this does is it gives us a chance to fill our minds with something that is encouraging, something that's loving, something that is actually challenging, and most importantly, it's something that actually is true. With every outside source of news coming our way, the Bible is the foundation that we can hold on to. It's the lens or the glass that we need to have a grateful heart. And the more we fill our lives with biblical truths, the glass from which we look through will begin to clear. Our perspectives will begin to change, allowing us to, three, to see through what we once believed to be true. And now we can actually see through what, what Christ is speaking into our life. We can forgive ourselves of, of the baggage that we have, and we can receive healing in different ways. When we allow God's word to be the lens that we look through, all of a sudden, giving thanks isn't that hard because we are no longer looking through a lens that focuses on what everyone else thinks. We're no longer looking at what the world thinks about us, what the world thinks about our, our beliefs. We are looking at what Christ wants us to focus on. And that is his truth, that is his gospel. And once we submit our lives to this, to the life and teaching of Jesus, and actually allow it to transform us, we can praise God. As Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever or whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If your outlook in life isn't through the lens of Scripture, we will find ourselves to be more negative and less likely to give thanks, which is why we need to spend time reading, studying, meditating, and lastly, actually applying God's Word to our life, actually applying this to our life, which in turn will clear our lens clear our perspective so we can see what Paul is actually talking about, to see these great things, to see what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, and what is lovely and admirable. So with that being said, at times it's still hard to give thanks. I totally get it. At times it's still hard to give thanks, and if we're in a position where we're struggling to give thanks at all, how can we cultivate a heart of thanksgiving when we don't have things to be thankful for in our life? How can we actually cultivate this when we're struggling at all to give thanks? How can we do this in our life? How can we do this when we don't feel like we have things in the present to be thankful for? If this is you right now and you're struggling to give thanks at all, if you're struggling with, with seeing the goodness of God in your life, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're dealing with this. I'm sorry that, that this, is, this is a struggle right now. And if you want to walk with us through this, if you want to contact one of us on staff, we would love to walk with you and pray with you and, and to see these things that God is doing. Because sometimes for us, things might seem hopeless and tough, and it just seems like everything around us is falling apart, and giving thanks is impossible. If we find ourselves in that space, for us to cultivate, it could mean that we step back, that we actually step back in our life, and we forget our current circumstances and look to our past and see how God was with us. See how God was with us through those hard times, how God was there to provide for us in those, in those difficult moments. And we can be thankful for those moments 
and they will fuel us now. They will fuel us now to be thankful for today. So going back to the Old Testament, I'm reminded of Joseph and how he went through an outstanding amount of manipulation, deceit, and pain due to treatments he experienced from his family and from others. It's a long story, so I'll summarize it as best as I can. But Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers as they're jealous of him. Joseph was then brought to Egypt as a slave to work under Potiphar, who was Pharaoh's officials, or one of Pharaoh's officials. Potiphar noticed that God was with Joseph and that he was successful, so Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his whole family and his whole household. Potiphar's wife then tried to manipulate Joseph, and um, Joseph actually said he would not, and he refused everything, and later was thrown into prison and made out to be a liar. So Joseph eventually finds his way out of prison through his ability to read Pharaoh's dreams. And he was able to predict that there would be seven years of, of um, prosperous and seven years of famine to follow. And it was through his dream that Joseph was able to save a nation. It was through this dream that he was able to save all these Israelites, all these Egyptians that were with him. And that's just a quick summary of the story. But regardless of being wronged and experiencing such terrible things, Joseph was able to look back at those moments and praise God for what had happened. He praised God for what had happened in his own life. If you turn to Genesis 50, 15 to 18, it says, um, this is the moment when Joseph experiences, or his brothers experience the famine. They approach Joseph and it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father had died, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he, before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of your servants of the God of your father. And when Joseph heard this, he wept. He wept for his brothers. He wept for what had happened in their life and what had happened to him and, and all these things. He wept. And Joseph ends up forgiving his family and it says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. And this is the part right here. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now done, now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for your children. This whole story of Joseph, his life takes twists and turns and it's, it's up and down. It's full of emotions, full of all these other things. But even though he experienced many hardships, he was able to look back and see what had happened and actually thank God for these things. Thank God for these things. God intended this suffering to accomplish good things in his life later on. And he thanks God for what had happened and how God was with him in those moments and how God provided. And now for us, if we're in a current space that giving thanks seems impossible, try looking to your past and seeing how God helped you through those moments of pain. How God helped you through those hardships in your life and how God has come through in those moments. And God has still been good and faithful. While Joseph was a slave, it says the Lord was with him. And again, it says that the Lord was with him in prison. The Lord was with Joseph in those hard moments, and the Lord is with us in our past as well. Right now, we're currently in, um, I think, week four, week five of our baptism classes. And one of the joys that we have in teaching baptism classes is we get to hear the stories before all of you. And so on the very first week of baptism class, um, myself and Pastor Peter, we always get to ask the question to all, all the candidates, then the question is, why do you want to get baptized? What makes you want to make this decision? What has happened in your life that you want this to happen, that you want to make this public declaration in your faith? Why? And it never fails that at the end of the session, at the end of the class, we're all crying, we're all sad, we're all in tears because 
through all these stories, one after another, it is evident that God is with those individuals. Whether it was through a hardship and they're saying, God brought me to this point where I needed him. Or where they say, God led me here or God was just with me in these times of, of great things. God was just with me. Story after story after story in these individuals' lives. And so far, I've only mentioned individuals, but think back, even for us as a church. Think back to our past. Think back to these past two years we've experienced. We've experienced so much. There's been tremendous hurt, pain, anger, anxiousness, but there's been also so much healing, so much joy, so much thankfulness. It's safe to say that we've experienced more than we thought we could ever handle. And as I reflect on this time, I can see that God was present. And from that experience, we can give thanks. We can give thanks that we are back together. We can give thanks that, in, that our services are growing, that our ministries are growing. We can give thanks that in the hardest moments we might ever experience, the gospel didn't change. The gospel didn't change. The mission of, for us as believers didn't change. And people were still being saved by Christ. In the midst of all the hardships, God was still this anchor in our lives. And it's because of this that we can look at our past and say, God is good. God was good then, and today he's still good today. God is an amazing God, and he is with us through all these things. And lastly, since our focus for the month of October is missions, I couldn't leave out this last part, that if we want to cultivate a grateful heart, if we want to cultivate a grateful heart, a good way for us to do this is by serving others, is by actually using our gifts, using what God has given us, to serve. As Pastor Peter shared last week, we need to be burdened by the lost. We need to love those who are hard to love, and we need to use our opportunities, use these opportunities we are given to make disciples. And I believe that using our gifts to further the kingdom of God is giving thanks, giving thanks for what we have. Like it says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a, under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. By our actions, by our works, from the fruits we produce by the Holy Spirit, others will see the light of Christ and give thanks to our Heavenly Father. Not that these works save us, but they are an example of what Christ has done in our own life. And now we can be an example through others by being thankful of what, we're ha what we have. And so in closing, I know it's Thanksgiving, and I know a sermon on being thankful is a given, and it's easy to be thankful on a day that's called Thanksgiving. That's what we do. We wake up, we say, okay, what are we thankful for today? Maybe later on we'll sit around tables and we'll say, what are you thankful for? And it's easy. It's easy to do these things. But what about the other 364 days of the year? What about those other days of the year when it's not called Thanksgiving? Are we still thankful? I know we haven't unpacked a ton of information today or a ton of new information, but my hope is that this sermon would serve as a reminder that if we're struggling to give thanks, if we're in a moment in our life where we're just struggling to cultivate an actual grateful heart, then we would look at this and we would see how we can be grateful again. That we can see that God has given us so much that we can be thankful for. And as a recap, we can cultivate a grateful heart by doing as Daniel did, which is giving thanks multiple times a day and remembering to do this in the good times and the bad. We can cultivate a grateful heart by spending time in God's word and allowing his word to change our perspective. We can cultivate a grateful heart by remembering what God has done in the past and how he has walked us through this. And lastly, we can cultivate a grateful heart by serving others with what Christ has given us. And so with this, let's pray.
God, we come before you today, and on a day that is called Thanksgiving, it is easy to give thanks. It is easy to give thanks and to, to remember to be thankful, Lord. But I pray that as we leave here today, that your pray, our praises, your praises be on our lips forever. That it would be a 365-day thankfulness. We would learn to cultivate our hearts that in other moments in life that, that it might not seem great or that we're, we're struggling to give thanks so that we could look at this and say, I'm still thankful. You are still good. You are still an amazing God. And so Lord, we pray for our circumstances in life that if they change or if they don't, Lord, that we would still be thankful. We pray that we would be able to reach people through our gifts. We pray that we'd be able to just cultivate this heart that is looking to serve others just as you served us, Lord. And so we thank you for your sacrifice for us. We thank you for the gifts you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the opportunities we've been given ourselves, Lord. We pray that you would use us. We pray that you would allow us to be bold in our faith. And Lord, we pray that we would just be thankful in all these things. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to uh, seeing you possibly later tonight. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>